Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to talk about it for two hours. We've got call-ins capability here, so you can call us at 414-395-2442. We'll mention that number again at the break. Uh, We're talking about can you be saved? Are you saved? What does it mean to be saved? Saved from what? And that's a big topic. Two hours is probably not enough, but if you really want to know the truth and are willing to suffer the reality that you don't know it already, this could be a really good hour for you or two. If you absolutely are unteachable, if you think you know it all already, and probably if you think you're saved already, You may not get much out of this hour because you won't grow. You won't learn something new because you already know it all. There's no room in your head to learn anymore. But this question of salvation, both spiritual and temporal, because it is both spiritual and temporal, Christ was actually saving people in the world. He was saving them from their sin. What was one of the first big sins? I mean, obviously, if we go back to Adam and Eve, we got someone trying to decide what is good and evil for themselves. They're eating of the tree of knowledge rather than the tree of life. They're not following the Holy Spirit. They're following their own imagination, their own thinking. They've cut themselves off from the source of life the comforter and they have decided to go it alone and in the case of Cain they went out of the presence of God and created their own system became gods gods many actually was reading a little bit the other day and it was talking about Caesar and Caesar Augustus being proclaimed gods and we go oh that's terrible they're being proclaimed gods actually said uh, the one quote was uh, uh, I can't remember the exact Latin Divinius Filius son of God and we would as Christians we would oh that would be horrible but it wasn't as when they're using the word God they're not using it as we often use it today it was simply that he was a ruling judge he was appointing all the judges the Supreme Court judges and the Superior Court judges, the federal imperial judges throughout the empire. And this was terrible, according to many Romans, because of the fact that they could still remember what the Republic was like when their judges came up from the bottom up, like it did in early Israel before they had a king. Someone the other day just was writing that uh, that the judges in uh, the the Old Testament was a fiasco. It was a bad thing, and that we—it was all because Moses listened to Jethro, which I've heard that eschatology before, and it doesn't really make any sense. The truth is that people were wearing out Moses. They were looking to Moses to be their Supreme Court justice and settling all the cases that uh, they could not settle themselves. This was wearing him out, and it was a bad idea because. He was creating a central 
power whereby who was going to take Moses' place when he was gone? To be this huge vacuum when Moses was gone. To be the Supreme Court Justice of the entire nation. And that power to be in the hands of one man. So he set up this system where the judges were picked from the bottom up. You picked your judges. You picked them. And then that judge picked a judge. And then that judge picked a judge. And this is basically the process of of the Levites, except for some were also judges. The cities of refuge were simply an appeals court. Not to convict you, but to make sure that your conviction was righteous. In other words, it was a court of appeals. They could overturn convictions. And if your conviction was overturned by this network of judges, you were free. So, but that's another subject, being saved. First time we see it really being mentioned in the Bible, they're talking about, and they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Talking of Pharaoh, let us find grace in the sight of thy Lord. Talking about the Pharaoh again. He was Lord. And we will be the Pharaoh's servant. This Lord and being servant was being a subject of a ruler when they were led out of Egypt they had no king but they had a government they had taxes they called them tithes they tithed to their leaders their chosen ministers according to their service they had a network of charity to operate the government. And who was ruling? Well, God was ruling in their hearts, hopefully. But God was not always ruling in their hearts, and they made many mistakes. But when their biggest mistake came is when they went and had an election to elect somebody to fight their battles for them, to be their ruler, to be their king, to be their president. Whatever you want to call it doesn't make any difference. When they decided to decide that this man was going to have an exercising authority over us, that was called a rejection of God. And they needed to be saved from that sin, along with a lot of other sins, but that sin for sure. Because they keep going back and committing that sin. There were brief respites where they started going back, but then they were always seduced into building temples and and creating these systems of social welfare that are run by men who exercise authority one over the other. Christ forbid that. He said it is not to be that way with you, yet every single church in America, in Australia in England, in South America, all over the world. I'm not going to say every single church, just about every single church, says it's okay to apply to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority in order to have the funds to provide you with benefits. Ex 
exercise authority, in other words, force the contributions of the people. They all say that's okay. No Jew should say that that's okay if they have read the Old Testament. Because that's not loving your neighbor, that's coveting your neighbor's goods. No Muslim should say that that's okay if they believe in Abraham and Moses. And even if they think Jesus is a prophet, they should know that that's not okay. You cannot be a socialist and a Christian, a Jew, or a Muslim. You can be a modern Muslim, a modern Jew, a modern Christian, a modern Hindu, but you can't be a real one because that's not loving your neighbor to force him to contribute to your welfare at the point of a gun. That, that simple message should go out to the whole world. And we're trying to get it out. Are you helping us? <laughs> Are you working on getting that message out? That would talk about turning the world right side up. But that only works for people who are willing to love their neighbor as themselves. And I mean really love them. It's going to give them help that really helps. It only works. Such a simple concept. Why do I have to even bring it up? Because none of the churches are bringing it up. And we need to be saved from that foolishness. Because that's what Samuel called it when Saul forced a contribution. And what was he forcing a contribution for? A peace offering. What was that all about? Think about it. What was happening? He was seeing the enemy coming and uh, massing an army. And he says, oh, I need to get my army together. I need to have it well financed. I need to have provisions. I need to have everything I need to have to protect the people. Good God. So I forced this sacrifice. That's what it talks about there. Forcing is like, what is he doing? Forcing is, what, what does that mean? He compelled the people to make an offering. He taxed the people. For that cause alone, he was told by Samuel he was foolish and his kingdom would not stand. He forced the people to contribute to a good cause. The end does not justify the means. You should not force the people to contribute to your welfare, to any of these things, because you open the door to tyranny. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. Now, so, back to the main topic of salvation. How are we saved from that? That was foolishness. It was rejection of God. It was he told us what would happen is that we would have everything taken away from us, the first fruits of our labor, our sons, our daughters. They'd make their instruments of war. They would evade Iraq and Iran <laughs> or wherever. This is what they will do. It's going to happen. It is happening. 
And it's happening because you've sinned. Now, can you be saved from that sin? You have to believe in what Jesus said. Stop coveting your neighbor's goods. If you want everlasting life, you have to keep the commandments. That means you can't covet your neighbor's goods. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the purpose of the church, is to provide the social welfare of the people through faith, hope, and charity. That is pure religion. That is the way religion is defined in the Bible by James. It's taking care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity. Not depending on the men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. You can't do that now. You have no system by which to do that now. You have to come together to do that. If you are not forming congregations for the purposes of serving that end, then you are not doing what Christ said. You are not a doer of the word. Now, I don't care if you form that network with us or form it with somebody else, but you need to be working on it somewhere. Because your churches are not doing it. They're making you feel like you are saved by not doing the will of the Father. They are preaching the gospel of Satan. They are saying you're saved just because you say you believe. But Jesus said not because you what you say, but because of what you do. I was, I, as I was saying in blog talk, that uh, this idea that you just say you accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior and boom, it's a done deal only works if you really know who Jesus is and what he was really saying and you're really accepting what he was saying and believing upon his message. And his message was if you want eternal life, you had to keep the commandments, which means not coveting your neighbor's goods, not killing your neighbor, not oppressing the stranger in your midst or on the other side of the world. All messages that came from Moses and Abraham and certainly was the message of Christ. But your churches are saying, oh, you don't have to worry about that, nothing you have to do. If that isn't the Satan talking to you, I don't know who that is. Because that's not what Paul said. He was very specific that he had no agreement with unbelievers. When he's talking about your faith saving you, he's talking about the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was to love your neighbor as yourself and not force him to contribute to your welfare. As John the Baptist made clear, until John the Baptist, people were trying to force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare. had been going on since at least 160 A.D. and got real bad under King Herod with the baptism of King Herod where you entered a social welfare system called Corbin that forced the contributions of your neighbor. Who can save you from that? You have to forgive so that ye are forgiven. What does that mean? How far do we take that? How many people have said, I paid into Social Security, now they have to pay for me have to pay for you 
but they're broke. Have to pay for you. They don't have any money. Should you send men out to beat them if they don't pay for you? Are you the wicked servant? Isn't this what the what was the parable that Christ told us about the wicked servant who went out and beat those who owed money to make them pay but the good servant said how much do you owe this much how much can you pay this much okay pay half that's a good servant Christ is telling you how to run his government so if you believe in Christ, that's what you want to do. So Social Security is broke. Call them up. Tell them you only want half your check. Well, maybe you can't do that. <laughs> okay. Work towards a place where you can do that. Strive towards a place where you can do that. That's what you need. If you're not striving to that place, if you're not seeking that place where you do not need to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, then you're not following Christ. You haven't accepted Christ. You're not doing what he said because you're not seeking the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, you are cared for by free will offerings alone. Those offerings you are giving in Social Security today are going to help the needy of today. They're not on deposit for you when you need help. That's good that you pay in this Social Security to help all those needy, except for the fact that the ministers who are operating that are maybe not doing a good job because they don't base it on moral character. They base it on entitlements. So that's another aspect to it. But the point is, at least you're doing something to help the needy. But if you really want to be in the kingdom, it's not about getting out of a tax obligation. It's about fulfilling a tax obligation in a righteous way. And now this this gets into a, a confused and cloudy area because everybody's coming from a little bit different position. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to gain political power in the United States government in order to bring morality to the system. And they can certainly try, but it's very difficult to bring morality. It's like trying to wash your clothes in dirty water because the system is based on forced contribution, which according to Samuel is foolishness. According to Jesus is a Corbin that makes the Word of God to none effect. It's an old wineskin. We need to create the new wineskin and the new wine to put in it. And that means you need to form those congregations of record so that ye may be saved. So you do not have to go to the Pharaoh and say, let us find grace in your sight of my Lord, in the sight of my Lord, and we will be your servant. 
in order to not be, have to say that, you need to start forgiving your neighbor and loving your neighbor in an active way, and that is the purpose of the church, is to form that network that makes that possible. It is not there to make you feel good or to lift your emotions up. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And most of the Christians claiming to believe in Jesus are workers of iniquity because they don't really do what he says. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Again, that's in Acts, and Acts must be taken within the gospel of Christ. So what is that name? What is the identity of Christ who came? Have you, do you go to church to serve others? Why, when you go to church, do you find a handful of people who do all the work? What you should find in a real church is everybody almost pushing everybody out of the way to do the work. As a matter of fact, we don't really want everybody in the other churches to come and join with us. We just want the workers. <laughs> we just want the doers. Those who aren't the doers, you just keep sitting in your pews. You just keep sitting on the fence. And we have a lot of people in the network there sitting there saying, well, I don't see anything happening in the network. What are you doing? In Luke 18:42, we see Jesus saying, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. Christ was a conduit for healing. And faith. Now, what is faith? Is faith that power to be saved? You know, this word faith, you know, it, it's actually fairly consistently translated. You know, uh, it appears, uh, you know, over 240 times in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And uh, it's almost always translated faith. It is translated fidelity and also them that believe and belief and assurance in one place but it it means conviction of truth of anything it is that you believe something to be true and when they were believing in Christ they were believing in what he was actually saying that they should do they were saying you know I believe that that's right that we shouldn't force our neighbor to contribute to our welfare that we shouldn't beat our neighbor up if they don't have enough to pay into our welfare system and that we should forgive debt so is anybody out there trying to pass a law in the United States if anybody can't afford to pay social security they don't have to pay it and we'll just do without but no what everybody's doing is running us into unbelievable debt and the same thing is going on in all the other countries but anyway, when we return to Keys of the Kingdom, if you want to make a phone call, you can, and that number is 
414-395-2442. Be back. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Well, welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about can you be saved, and of course, can you be forgiven? And we know that you cannot be forgiven unless you forgive others. 
So if you're in debt, which sin is debt, then the only way for you to be saved from that debt is to forgive the debt of others. And we see that. Is that a part of your nature, to forgive debt, to forgive sin? If it is not, then your nature is not a part of Christ, and you do not have Christ in you, and therefore you are not saved. And the idea that you're saved because you said one time back in April that you accept Jesus as your personal Savior means nothing because that faith is dead. Those are idle words. And you believe more in the doctrine than you actually believe in the doing. And that is contrary to what Christ said over and over and over again. Now, again, you are not saved by works. We know that. You are not, you cannot have salvation owed to you by your works. I repeat this over and over again because people constantly go, oh, well, you're talking about salvation by works. No, I'm not. Salvation is by grace. But let's take a look at that. In Second Timothy one nine, it says, "Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." The word "world" there is actually "age" before the age began. And so, actually, that that word there may not be back at the beginning of creation, but at the beginning of this age that they were now in, this time frame they were now in, which was the time frame from Christ on. You know, somebody said, well, see, that Jesus was there at the foundation of the world, but that's not what they're saying there. So you can't use that phrase to depend on that, because that's, that word, their world, is ail. It's not the word for planet. It's for a time period. So anyway, uh, back to the, according to his own purpose and grace. And that's one of the things that the church is established by Christ for his purpose. What is the purpose of the church? It is to feed his sheep. That's to take care of them. Now, is that feeding just spiritual? Or is it actual physical? Well, we know that the early church was actually feeding people. We know that churches a hundred years ago was where you went to get all your social welfare. You didn't go to the government. You went to church. You don't do that anymore. So no wonder you don't need church anymore. Church is just to make you feel good now. Churches have dropped the ball on their responsibilities. Now, let's take a look at Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, He's not saying don't do works of righteousness. But he says not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has always been here. But he renewed it. He opened the door wider so that we may have access to that Holy Spirit. But we cannot have access unless we repent and make straight the way of the Lord, which takes us back to works of righteousness. He's just saying what I say over and over again. You cannot do works 
and have God owe you salvation. It doesn't work that way. It's still going to be by grace. You can't do enough works. But if you don't have works, then you can't say, not by works of righteousness which we have done, because you aren't doing them. Now, what are those works of righteousness? It's not sending men out to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's not righteous. That's covetous. You can't have eternal life if that's what you're doing. And that's what most Christians do on a regular basis. And they think it's okay because their churches are preaching the gospel of Satan. They're preaching the gospel of Christ, too, but they're also preaching the gospel of Satan. And they've twisted one little basic, simple concept of love. Which John the Baptist tried to twist back. Because he, that he wasn't operating his system of welfare religion the caring of the widows and orphans by forced contributions he's doing it by charity and he makes that so clear in his statement if you have two coats and he has none you share what does it profit my brethren though a man say he has faith and have not works can faith save him this is James 2.14 Let's read around James 2.14. Let's read more of that. So speak ye and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. That's what he says. If we go back one verse farther. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Not if thou committest no adultery, yet if thy kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. What if you don't commit adultery and you don't kill, but you covet your neighbor's goods? You want benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Have you kept the whole law? So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices, rejoiceth against judgment. So if you think it's okay to beat your neighbor, to force him to contribute to your welfare, then you should be beat too. If you are taking benefits from the government of the world, you must think that's okay because that's the way they operate. I think that's okay that they operate that way, but I don't think it's okay with Christ, and I am a servant of Christ, so therefore I cannot be a part of that. I cannot simply separate myself without seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I must pay 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% income tax. Everything I have, I am offering up so that ye will build and seek and strive to be that kingdom of God that Christ preached. And you must do the same. At least move in that direction. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith 
save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. How many times have you heard about somebody in need and people said, We will pray for them and give them not the things that are needful to the body. This is why you create congregations of records, so that you will have the ability to give those things that are needful to the body to those in need. And there will come a great need. And so, in order to do that with the wisdom of Christ, we need to begin to develop the relationships, so we need to form those congregations of record. Or you go and say, if you have needs, come to us, your brethren in congregation. And we will come into congregation with other brothers in case the needs are so great that we cannot fill them. You cannot just sit in the pew and pray for the needs of others. You need to supply them. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devil also believes and trembles. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou have faith? wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled with which said Abraham believeth God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone only Likewise, also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive a greater condemnation. What does it mean to have, have be many masters? Is that not democracy? Is democracy not many masters where 51% of the people rule over the other 49? Is that not greater condemnation? It is a republic that you need to go back to where people are free from things public, where you do not force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. How does such a republic 
unite in the in the book that I'm still working on uh blood on the altar or altars of blood we haven't come to a conclusion yet on that name uh, we'll talk about the fact that Rome was held together by a system of faith open charity a, a totally unpaid unprofessional army entire system of welfare with no forced contributions almost no taxes anywhere in the country whatsoever someone said the other day that there were no taxes in Rome and there was no laws that suppressed individual freedom well maybe 400 years before Christ but at the time of Christ no that wasn't the case Julius Caesar alone put a sales tax on 1% uh, by Augustus the very next emperor there was 4% on some uh, items of tax there was a 5% employment tax that means you had to pay 5% on your slaves because if you dumped a slave out on the streets when you didn't have no need for them anymore that was the unemployment tax had to take care of those needs there were other taxes the other thing that we will talk about some other time we'll stay on this subject is that all these pagan temples those are just government buildings Mars was a major library to rival that of the library at Alexandria. Uh, the uh, Temple of Saturn was the Bureau of Vital Statistics and also uh, held the documents of foreign diplomats and other contracts. All these, all these temples were government buildings. Most of them were built at government expense. Uh, many of them received contributions when they were laying the foundation of some of these people would actually come up and throw gold nuggets into the foundations uh, in support of building the buildings because they still remembered when they had a government operating by faith, hope, and charity but that was all but gone with the emperors and that's all but gone in the United States again a hundred years ago all social welfare was handled by charitable institutions, most of which were churches. It's not anymore. They didn't pass a law that said the churches can't do this. They just said, hey, if you want to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, sign up for Social Security. Because we'll make sure that they contribute and they pay their fair share. We'll guarantee it because we're the benefactors who exercise authority. And all the Christians said, hey, yeah, sounds great, let's do it. But Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. I don't know where you guys missed this. Has Satan been reading your Bible for you? Because your preachers, if they haven't pointed this out, they're working for Satan. Now that's, that's a hard thing to say, but you show me that that's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of government. You show me, you preachers out there. You show me. Call me up and show me I'm wrong. You can call 414-395-2442. But you better have your uh, ducks in a row. You better know what you're talking about. Acts 2.21 And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And again, we've talked about that. The name of the Lord is the magic words. Don't get to say Jesus or Yeshua or something and presto bingo, you're saved. You've conjured up the salvation of God because you said the magic words. 
calling upon the name of the Lord is calling upon the ways of the Lord. Are you doing that? Are you forming those congregations of record based on... Why do you do that? So that there will be somebody there for you? Or so that you will be there for somebody else? Because if it is not the latter, you can forget about the former. Because you have to come in the name of Christ. And what did Christ come to do? He came to serve. So you have to form these congregations for the purpose of serving others. All those who want to form the congregation so that somebody will help them, if that's the first thing you think of, you're not coming in the name of the Lord. You're coming in the name of the devil. And it's not going to do you any good. But if you come and you find out that, you know, you really don't think of love your neighbor as much as yourself, and you come to that realization, well, then we've served our purpose. That's the thing. is You cannot form these congregations without Christ. And people say, well, I don't see why we need to form a congregation. I mean, I, I you know, I got everything uh, comfortable. I, I'm doing good things. And you form the congregation so that you can help each other together. Lift the heavy log. And caring for one another is going to become a heavy log. A very heavy log. A log that will break your back. And see, even your congregations will not be able to help one another enough. But if you come together in the name of the Lord for His purposes which is to serve others, then Christ will help you lift the log. There'll actually be a spiritual power that will give you sight when you are blind, give you strength when you are weak, give you health when you are sick. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. I tell you, if you would come together in these congregations, really in the name of God, then you will see the dead rise. Him being delivered by the determination, determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But then he rose again. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy ones to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the way of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with my countenance. Then and brethren, let me freely speak unto you for the patriarch David that he is both 
dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. And Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we all are witnesses. This idea of being left in hell, there are several different words for hell. Uh, one simply means the grave. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed for this, which ye now see and hear. And David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. Now there's some metaphysical things mixed into this. We'll have to discuss that on Freedomizer or some other show. We're going to stick to, we're we're actually trying to get down to another verse here. And I didn't want to read it completely out of context. But it says, Until I make thy foes thy footstool. The footstool, there's actually a thing called a footstool altar. And uh, this is actually what took place in Egypt when uh, the Israelites were leaving and the Egyptians showered them with gifts. That was the footstool altar uh, principle taking place there. And the way in which that was done should also be done for us. But here comes in verse 36, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel... Know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified for both Lord and Christ. Now that word Lord, remember at the beginning of the show when we were talking about how Pharaoh was Lord. You will be our Lord and we will be your servants. Christ was Lord. Christ was King. Christ was the Anointed. The Messiah, just like David. That's why he's talking about David and sitting at this right hand of God's throne. Christ was king. These are the ones who say there is another king. They operated a government, but we don't see it as a government we think of today. We think all governments are based on territory. Governments are based on persona jurisdiction over the people. And the church has every right to the territory in America as any other government, such as the states or federal governments. Maybe even more so if we properly organize the church, because we were here first. But it's a government that operates by faith, hope, and charity. There are places in Romania and Bulgaria and in Malaysia where there are whole nations of people who are not a part of the governmental system of that area. They don't have this, they don't go to the government for their social welfare. They go to each other and they operate by faith, hope, and charity. And there are other groups that are often within countries that do the same thing. They don't always operate by faith, hope, and charity. I mean, the mafia is a government. 
but they don't operate on faith, hope, and charity. And they often are violating the laws to the contrary. But the early Christians were actually a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire, an ever-increasing state that depended upon a nation of people. That was their land, the people. We'll talk more about this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. And we'll tell you how you can do something about that today. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me, LibertyRadioLive.com. Greg, you may be muted. Oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, uh, having a little technical difficulty there. <laughs> we'll start over again. Um, the uh, We're talking about salvation and whether or not you can be saved. And... Uh, that's a important question, but there are several different levels of this salvation, and one of them is spiritual, and another one is physical. 
there's an actual physical salvation and there's a physical service and there's a spiritual reality to all these things too. This is why we see the bondage of Egypt. They went into the bondage of Egypt because the Pharaoh became Lord and Savior. And, you know, this was it's so interesting that we see these uh, same vocabulary. Augustus was considering himself the, the Son of God and referring to himself as uh, Divinius Filius, I think it was. And, yeah, we have Jesus over there being the Son of God. And we have uh, Caesar Augustus, Octavius, coming into Rome, referred to as the Savior of Rome. That's what Augustus really means, Savior. And then we have Jesus over here being the Savior. And so we have these conflicting different ideas. Are, do you, are you accepting Jesus as Lord or the kings of the world as Lord? Jesus' kingdom is not of their world. When he says of their world, he's specifically talking about a constitutional order or system of government which was the government of Rome. We just saw the people of, uh, or just about at the same exact time, the, the Pharisees and probably Sadducees as well were saying they had no king but Caesar. And Caesar hadn't conquered Jerusalem yet. Popular misconception. Uh, it had been invited in as a peacekeeping force, but it was there to determine who was the rightful king. That's why it was invited in. And here we see Pontius Pilate determining that Jesus Christ is their rightful king, accepting that, proclaiming that in an official Roman document in three languages. The Pharisees complaining about that, but Pontius Pilate being adamant about leaving that stand which meant that if he was the rightful king, then his appointed princesses were the rightful rulers of Jerusalem. Except for one of the last instructions that God, uh, Christ had given them as the Son of God, as the Divinius Fidius, was that they were not to exercise authority one over the other. So you here you have the one pure republic left in the world, which is the church, saying that we're the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. We operate according to the perfect law of liberty, that all the tithes that you pay unto us are freely given. We will not force taxes, and yet we will strive to provide all the necessary benefits of the people through that faith, hope, and charity alone. Now, you want a free government, you have to have that. You you have to have that. And the beautiful thing is you can construct that legally right now in the world while you're still a part of the world before it collapses. While you're still on Social Security, while you're still receiving disability, while you're still working in the system with a uh, the mark of the beast, you can do all these things, paying your tribute to Caesar, but you're building the righteous system of God. You can start that now, today. Instantly. All you have to do is find somebody else who wants to go that way and gather together with them and say, let's work together to make a system that really sets us free by setting each other free and how we contribute to each other's needs. 
Now, right now, you're not completely out of the system. You're in the system. You're a part of the system. Maybe there's no other way for you to even exist. I had a guy write me this morning. He's been on S, was it S S D or S D I or whatever it is, disability, for 30 years, I think he said, or for quite a few years. He's been disabled. Lives at his parents' house. How do I do this? I don't know how to do anything else. I don't know how bad his disability is, but the point is, is that I can't take him in. I can't take in everybody like that. But you can start doing something. I see all kinds of people on disability who have lots of ability. But if you're sitting around watching TV or playing on the Internet all day, when I responded to him, he responded back almost immediately. Are you on the Internet all day or are you actually doing any work? You can do something. If you if you can punch the keys on the Internet, you can do something. You can be seeking others, sharing our videos, sharing our audios with others. If that, all you can do is the Internet, you got one finger that works. Well, you could be doing that. You could be joining the network, the Living Network, by going to org and joining the Living Network and saying every day, send one message and say, hey, I want to be a part of something. Is anybody out there anywhere near us that wants to start forming together and working together? Once you make contact, then you call up each other or you go visit if you're close enough. They say, let's work together. Let's start networking. This is a big, huge, giant Internet out there, a big, huge, giant world out there. Let's see if we can't find others that want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteous, want to create a network of people that care as much about each other as they do themselves. Now, that's kind of what the Amish have, although the Amish are a lot more diversified than most people realize. But at least they do take care of one another. That's what we're talking about. As simple as that, except you don't have to have suspenders, a wide-brim hat, and uh, grow a long, funny beard. You can if you want, but that's not the essentials. The essential is that you have to love the righteousness of God and love your neighbor as yourself. Our doctrines are what Christ said, because it has to be according to his purpose. And he said his purpose. He didn't say, oh, I forgot to say something here. Paul, you say it for me. He didn't forget to say anything. Always read Paul in the context of Jesus Christ, and you'll be okay. Don't create new doctrines with Paul. You don't need any new doctrines. The doctrines are all there. The basics are all there in Christ's gospel. You don't need any more. Christ is sufficient. But you have to actually become a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So I, I know Paul's watching the chat room. If you've got anything going on in the chat room or any questions popping up, uh, or they may be strangely silent again. Uh, or if any calls come in, I'll give that number one more time, 414-395-2442. We'll do that. We'll answer those calls. But we'll go on to uh, looking at this idea in... Uh, Acts 2.36 Therefore let all of the house of Israel That was one of the interesting things Is Remember one of the last questions that they asked the apostles Or the apostles asked Jesus before he left Was that When will you restore the kingdom of Israel? You know, somebody wrote the other day that 
Israel has been around since even the time of Romans. Well, no, that wasn't Israel. That was Judea. Israel had divided and became Judea. It wasn't Israel anymore. And that is something different. And Rehoboam had failed to return the rights to be Israel back to the people. He said, my father whipped you with whips, I will whip you with scorpions. And they remained Judah. And Israel left. Uh, or at least what was called Israel. I mean, a vast number of the people left. And they lost the inheritance of David. And the restoring the kingdom of Israel is to bring all those people back together. Now, Israel is the place where God prevailed, so everybody may not want to come back, but Christ was Israel. Christ was preaching the government of Israel, and he was, unlike Rehoboam, was saying, yeah, I'll give you your liberty back. When you got the baptism of Christ, you got your liberty back. You also got back your responsibility. You had to care for one another through faith, hope, and charity. Now, recently I heard a, a story about some people in China who were farming in a co-op, a cooperative, and they were not having real good crops and everything, and they met together and they said, let's do it this way. And they made a contract where everybody farmed a particular area of the co-op, and they were responsible for the area, and whatever they produced was accredited to them as theirs. And they would get a share according to what they produced. And they signed this contract, and they rolled it up, and they put it in a bamboo, and they hid it in the rafters of one of the houses. And why did they do that? Because that was against the law. This is communism. You don't do that in communism. In it, in that contract, they had a little clause that if any of them was found out and thrown into prison or executed because they did this, the others would take care of their children for them. That was part of the contract, and they hid that contract. Well, of course, they had the greatest production in their cooperative farm that they had ever had once they started going to this method. And they came down and started asking questions. How come? And what are you guys doing? And why is this working? Well, of course, what they were doing is this: they weren't all working in one field at a time. They were all working in their own fields. And everybody was putting in the overtime that is often necessary for success. And they were they were finding out. But fortunately, they were spared because this was just at the time that China was starting to change out of its strictly communist regime to a more democratic uh, and eventually uh, a more capitalistic view of the economy. Capitalism is not bad. I talked to a, somebody from England the other day who was talking about how capitalism was such a horrendous burden on the Welsh where young children were working in coal mines, etc. And I said, you know, that's not capitalism. That's selfishism. Uh, capitalism is simply investing yourself or your your assets into something in order to get a return. If you do that in a selfish way, you will get a selfish result. If you do that in a generous Christian way, you will get another kind of result. And 
both are capitalism. The fault of what was going on in the minds of Wales was not capitalism. It was selfishism. And it was the church that was void. The church the ministers should have just lambasted the owners of those minds. You can't do this. Instead, they were running around trying to comfort people in their squalor. And that's not the purpose of the church. The church should have been out there excommunicating those rulers of those corporations, saying that you are not being a Christian. You are oppressing these people economically. And they should have done that all across the country. They didn't need to form unions. They needed to just form churches according to the character of Christ. Form unions, now the unions have power. The church should always be delivering the people back into a position of power and rejecting those who seek power over the people. If you did that, you would have a different result than what we have today because the churches are not doing their job. So, is Jesus really your Lord? No. You have another Lord that you pray to for your benefits. Even though you know that he will only supply you benefits by taking away from your neighbor, often beating your neighbor to get the resources he needs to provide those benefits. Because you are not willing to forgive. And say, hey, I don't want as much benefits if you have to beat people. If you have to throw people in jail. I want to live by faith, hope, and charity. We are so far away from the gospel of the kingdom in these modern churches that you can't even see the possibility of it anymore. Now you need real faith. Christ was a king. The church was a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And that's not what the church is today. The church today is a show to make you feel like you're saved when you're actually doing contrary to the ways of Christ, where your works are contrary to the ways of Christ, where you do not forgive, but you demand benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Shame. I'm not going to tickle your ears. I'm going to call you to repentance. Now what can you do? Form these congregations of record. Start being there for each other. Don't sit there and wait on an email group till somebody does it for you. Start reaching out and saying, why don't we have a congregation of record here? Why don't we have that? Don't you want to come together to be there for each other in times of need? Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you got the baptism of Christ, you were going to be cast out of the Corbin systems of the Pharisees operated through their religious temples. Just like you would be cast out of the social welfare system of Rome. When he said repent and get baptized, he didn't just say go get dunked in water. There was a repercussion by this time. Go back and read John 10. 
if you got the baptism of Christ, you were opting out of the social welfare system of the people. Now remember, he says repent, turn around, and be baptized. Maybe you can you can repent now and opt out of the system later. This is a process. But you have to start picking your direction. Are you building the alternative system? Are you establishing a network based on faith, open charity? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I don't know all the people that will be in this network someday. You don't know them all. They're far off. I don't know all your children and your children's children. But that's what we need to do is create a church based on what Christ said. A network of people, of congregations of congregations based on what Christ said. I know that's what we need. But you have to do it. It will not be done for you. It does not come through observation or listening to radio programs. It comes through doing. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. That's what we have today. A generation not going toward God. This conflicting generation claiming to be Christians, claiming to be saved by Christ saved by the blood of Jesus Christ when they themselves are doing contrary daily by policy against what Christ said you cannot have accepted Christ and be doing contrary to what Christ said thou shalt not covet you are not living by faith open charity if you are living by benefits that are compelled from your neighbor at the point of a gun that's not living by love then they that gladly received his word were baptized those that did not gladly receive his word I guess were not baptized did not enter in now this was at a point in time where they were baptizing there was a network already constructed there were other people now how many people fell away many fell away but they at least turned around and and there's a whole part on that if we don't get to it in the second half hour here uh, we'll do it uh, on the show later on this afternoon and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread breaking of bread that's dividing the bread as needed that's sharing amongst themselves that's the Eucharist of Christ according to true needs and in prayers they prayed to God through their open prayers in church I have a need help me I have but what you really have a need for is to help others because that's coming in the name of Christ and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple 
and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, they were working daily in one accord in the temple, which was a government building. Now, who was selling property? Again, there was men like Barnabas, who was becoming a minister because the ministers couldn't own anything in their own name. They had to own things in common. But they were delivering a people out of bondage because they were providing a system of government where the government ministers operated by faith, hope, and charity. Peter could still come to your house and say, how much do you owe in taxes? In tithes, whatever you want to call it. And they would say, well, we owe this much because we made this much. And, we, and so 10%, 20% is this much. But I can't pay that whole amount. I can only pay this much. And Peter would say, okay, pay that, pay in full. Because that was the instructions of the king. Now, the other governments weren't doing that. But now this guy had a document that's saying that he had paid in full. The conflict of Christianity came when other people... Well, you know, like the uh, Greeks and other countries started becoming Christians. And they saw their revenue disappearing. Because they were paying into this government that operated on faith, open charity, and the perfect law of liberty instead of the local governments that they had paid into before. And the local government said, hey, you can't leave. Well, we're not to that point yet. But uh, we we need to build that network. We need to start doing... We're way back in the days of John the Baptist. They say, make straight the ways of the Lord. Praise God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Because these are the people that are coming into a system of faith, hope, and charity. In order to come into that, they have to forgive the existing system everything they owe them. You don't owe me anything anymore. You have all, I will not take any more benefits. I won't do any of that. Now, you may not be able to make that jump right away. But we need to start creating a place to jump to. Build the lifeboats. That's the congregations. Every plank of the lifeboat is a member of that congregation. And that's what we have to start building. Matthew 10.22 And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Endureth? You have to endureth? You have to live by faith and endure to the end? That's going to be very hard. In the future, it's pretty easy now. In the future, it's going to get harder. Christ is not saying, just believe, bing, presto, bingo, that you're done. No, he's saying, endure to the end. This is what Christ is saying. Anybody telling you contrary to what Christ is saying is misinterpreting the message of Christ. And they're either doing that because they're gullible, foolish, or evil. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? 
Matthew 19.24, he says, And again I say unto you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now that's the verse before that where he said, they were saying, who then can be saved? Jesus' response was, uh, when he beheld what they were de- de- uh, saying, said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So what were they talking about? This eye of the needle, and that's a big, long thing. Uh, there's a number of different interpretations. There is a door in some cities that was referred to as the eye of the needle because it was a really tiny door. In order to get a camel through it, you had to take all the stuff off of the camel's back and uh, and beat him and, and try to force him to go through there, which is almost impossible um, because of the way in which a camel bends down. I, I don't know if any guys ever did that very much, but... Uh, but it is possible that even a rich man can enter into the kingdom of God if he really unburdens himself from greed and lack of faith. I mean, that's what they fear. that They put their faith in their riches, and they're afraid to be without them. The same concept of enduring to the end that we see in Matthew twenty four thirteen, uh, but he that shall endureth unto the end the same shall be saved. Uh, that's after we see in uh, Matthew twenty four eleven he says, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall receive deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. That's what's happened today. These prophets that are false, that have risen up, these are the ministers out there in your churches. Now, some of those may yet repent. Maybe they are false prophets through ignorance. I don't know. Challenge them. And if they will not repent, get away from them. Have nothing to do with them. Form your own congregations. Find your own ministers. We'll do what we can to help you, but you have to do it. You have to be seeking the kingdom of heaven. You can't sit in the pew and seek the kingdom of heaven. You actually have to go out there and beat the brush and look for other people that have the same message of Christ written in their hearts and in their minds. Now, what is the iniquity that shall abound? This coveting your neighbor's goods is as if it's okay. It's right up there with adultery and murder. And what, what, why is the love of many waxing cold? Because people sit in their churches saying, oh, we'll pray for you. We won't actually give you anything, but we'll pray for you. Oh, I don't want to get involved. I just want to go to church and be lifted up emotionally and pretend that that emotionalism is spiritual. It's not. You have to actually be doers of the word. It's not a song and dance fest. It's it's actually enjoying doing what Christ did. Because you're coming in the character and the ways of Christ. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Well, I'm waiting for people to actually preach the gospel. 
They're preaching the gospel of Satan, but they're not preaching the gospel of Christ because they're saying you don't have to do anything. And Christ said you do. So go figure. We'll be back in a minute. The keys of the kingdom. Pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and our heavenly Father, great mercy, justice for all. What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation? according to the Bible. Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It? and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Thank you. 
in this last half hour, we're going to have to go really fast to get through all this. But in Matthew 24:22, it says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. No flesh shall be saved. I thought we were only supposed to be saved spiritually. We're only supposed to, you know, salvation is all about being dead and going to heaven. No, salvation was in spirit and in truth. To save you, to liberate you in spirit and in truth. They were actually free people. This is why Hadrian and Trajan emperors said, leave the Christians alone. They were impressed with Christians. They were taking care of themselves. Those were not men who were big on all the social welfare programs, emperors, although there was some under them. Uh, some of the emperors that came along afterwards, being more and more a democracy in the empire, they were offering entirely uh, total universal health care from cradle to grave. Benefits, I mean, half of the population of Rome were on government welfare at times. They were trying from time to time, you should read the campaign promises. It sounds like modern day when you read the campaign promises. Need a strong army to protect us against uh, uh, the foreign enemies in these dangerous times. And all the other funds will be given to you in these welfare programs. And, of course, we want to return to family values. Well, you can't do that. Family values are promoted by a system of faith, hope, and charity through congregations of families, each family being a clay altar, gathering together and picking a minister who to be is that stone of the stone altar of congregations of ministers. This is what Abraham was doing. This is what Moses was doing. This is what the early church was doing. And that is the only thing that promotes family values is a system that operates on faith, open charity, and the perfect law of liberty. So anyway, the purpose of Christ's message was not just to have all you guys dead and the world abandoned. Our job is to exercise dominion on this planet. The devil wants to think that your salvation is after death. Your salvation is now, so that you will live now, so that your children will live now, and your children's children, and that your days will be long upon the land. This is the salvation of Christ. This focusing on salvation after death, that's satanic. Don't worry about tomorrow, Christ says, right off. Today. The kingdom of heaven is in the moment. And if it's in the moment in the life that you live today in the flesh, it will tomorrow will take care of itself. That's why he almost never talks about it. He talks about what to do today. Not coveting your neighbor's goods, not beating up your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, not sitting idly by and doing nothing. But being a doer of the word, seeking righteousness, enduring to the end. This is what Christ is talking about. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Luke one seventy one, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. That he would grant unto us 
that we being delivered out of the hands of our enemy might serve him without fear. Is your Lord the Pharaoh? Is your Lord Christ? You can't have both. The Christians didn't have both. Why do you think they were persecuted? They weren't persecuted all the time, but from time to time there are guys who were so jealous and envious that they persecuted Why were they jealous and envious? Because they had a system that worked better than their system. It's a superior system, but it requires superior people, and you can't make yourself superior. But if you let Christ into your heart, you will be superior. But if you think you let Christ in your heart and you're still doing contrary to what he said to do, then you've got some repenting left to do. You are not saved. You won't be saved after you die. And you are not accessing the salvation of Christ. And he didn't die for your sins because he can't forgive you because you haven't forgiven others. This idea that you're saved by what you think in your head, you better make sure that what you're thinking is in accordance with Christ and that you really believe in the real Christ because your soul and your flesh is at stake. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? He did not answer that question. But he did say unto them, Strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Many. Now, you say you've accepted Jesus. You're telling me that you're seeking to enter at the straight gate. But are you striving to enter in all the way? Are you struggling to see, am I really conforming to Christ? Am I really believing in Christ? Am I really doing things according to the purposes of Christ? Then I would have congregations of record. Why of record? Because you're saying to those people that are gathering in your congregation we are here for each other in the name of Christ and our minister is connected with these other congregations by faith, hope and charity and love alone but as a matter of record we are together with you in seeking a system of charity based on faith, hope and charity and the perfect law of liberty and you've gone on record and said that And that makes you a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And it's very important to do that. Because why do you fear doing that? Do you fear giving coverture to your brothers? You have to be a body. And this is what Christ created, was a way in which to be a body without giving up any of your rights. But you cannot have that body in existence unless you take on your responsibilities. Then remember, I, excuse me, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost in order to do what we're saying. You cannot be saved without it. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? 
Now, what parable he was talking about, you'll see as, as I, I read this. And he said unto uh, you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. And many do not understand the simplicity of Christ's gospel. He's telling you that you, you cannot be forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's not coming in the name of the Lord. That's coming in the name of Satan. That's coming in the name of Nimrod and Pharaoh. Now the parable is this, the seed of the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, who has done that? It's taking the word out of their hearts. He said, what was the word? That was doeth the will of the Father. And somebody's come along and said, oh, you don't have to do anything. You can see how enticing that gospel is. But Jesus said, yeah, you have to endure it. You have to strive. You have to seek not only God but his righteousness in everything that you do. Jesus is saying that. Somebody try to take that truth away from you. That's the devil. Again, no matter what you do, that doesn't guarantee salvation. It's still a thing of grace. But if you're not doing, don't figure on getting it. If you're not forgiving, don't figure on being forgiven. If you're not freely giving, don't be expecting God to freely give to you. When did God say that you go and elect men who can force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, and I will not hear you in that day? They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root which for a while believeth in and in time of temptation fall away this is why he's saying many don't make it and that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to perfection Those people on the rock who are full of joy, these are the people with all those altar calls. They don't have to put on any roots. They just get all excited. Yeah, we accept Jesus. Oh, we're all excited. We accept Jesus. But they're not putting down any roots. Where are the roots? It's in caring for one another. It's in doing the word of the Father. And the will of the Father. And they which fell amongst the thorns. That's why everybody gets preoccupied. Oh, I'm too busy. I don't want to get involved with a congregation of record. Just let me know when you you got everything worked out. I'm not gonna. I can't help build it. I I I gotta go do this other stuff. I gotta go bury my dad. I gotta go do this and do that. Jesus had the same problems. Yeah, they, you know, let the dead bury the dead. They're dead. They're not willing to give their time, their energy. They're not willing to form those congregations 
so that they can be assured of the opportunity of helping others. That's why you form them. Not so that you will be helped, so that you will help others. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. How many people leave the network because they have no patience? Or insufficient patience to bear fruit. You have to hear the word. Be joyous in that. With an honest and good heart. Which means you have to take a look at yourselves. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel and putteth it under a bed but setteth it on a candlestick that they which enter in may see the light. How many of you see this message as important, as valuable to your salvation and to the salvation of others? Then let's get the message out. Let's put it up on a lampstand. But nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. And take heed, therefore, how ye hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. You have life because God has given it to you. Are you spending that life in his service? If you do not, your life will be taken away. If you do spend your life in his service, more life will be given unto you. That's how you deal with the salvation after this life when you face death, as we all will face death. It's not just words... It's doing. You have to be putting that candle up on a lampstand and working to bear fruit with patience, with a good heart, an honest heart, and keeping the Word from the beginning to the end, including, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. When a symbol unmoors itself from what it symbolizes, it loses its meaning. It becomes ineffective. That is what people have done with the name of Jesus Christ. The name Jesus Christ symbolizes who he is. And you have unmoored it from what he said you must do. Corbin of the Pharisees makes the word of God to none effect. Are you building the Corbin of Christ? Which is the church of Christ which is the congregations of those that love him and show that love by loving one another. Someone sent me uh, five, uh, I don't know if these are rules or whatever, but it, I'll read them and then we'll make comments on them uh, in the last hour, uh, unless there's any questions that come up uh, in the chat room or uh, any phone calls that come in. We'll deal with the last few minutes of our show on these five items. Number one, 
You cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealthy out of prosperity. That is contrary to the ways of the kingdom. The sin of Sodom was in the time of affluence. They did not strengthen the poor. The wealthy must give so that the poor will become stronger. And the only way to do that is to give to those who give as Christ gave. What one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. Do not muzzle the ox. That's Old Testament. Isn't that a laborer worthy of his hire? All of his hire. You are not in a Christian nation. You haven't been in a Christian nation for centuries. You must, a nation is a people. Those people who want to go the ways of Christ need to start coming together so that they can turn around and head back towards the ways of righteousness. Number three, the government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else. That's socialism. That's antichrist. That's coveting your neighbor's goods. And through covetousness you have been made merchandise. You are now sold as merchandise and you are surprised. What is the answer? Stop praying to such governments. Start forming a government where you can pray for needs and helps and, and assistance. And it will come to you by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. So simple. But you have to do it. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. You multiply wealth by giving it away to those who will work and strive and endure in patience that's the kind of people you need to be gathering with and that's not the kind of people we find in all the churches of the world or the synagogues of the world or the mosques of the world this message can go out to all of them because it's the message of Christ I don't care if they call themselves Christians I want to see the fruits of Christianity in their life number five when half the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them and when the other half gets the idea that it does not does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for that is the beginning of the end of any nation that's already happened in the world today that's what happened in Rome. It rose to its prominence in the Mediterranean. It's seemingly invincible power based on free will offerings. No taxes. Honor. Justice. Tending to the weightier matters. Everybody was expected to do this. And for a while they lived on their laurels and their society began to decay under the affluence and the bringing in and the, and the slavery. We have slavery today. We just don't have involuntary servitude. We call it employment. Read employee versus enslaved. 
they rose to that power because all the other countries in the Mediterranean had become socialized tyrants. And the people became nothing more than merchandise and oppressed. And it was all different countries at different stages, but that's the direction they went in. When Rome went that way, it was going to implode and collapse in on itself. Christianity was the other way. And they were a nation of Greeks and Italians and Jews and what have you that learned to operate this viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire in an extended way beyond that. And it lasted for almost a thousand years. But they became apathetic and the beast rose up and murdered them by the millions. And what you now see is a remnant of those murderers. But what is now being born in the hearts of many people is the remnant of the true believers. And you know a true believer because he's a doer of the word. You judge him by his fruits. Is he doing what Christ said to do? Or is he just going to church to feel good? So if you aren't really following in the ways of Christ and you are not saved then you better rethink the day you accepted Christ have you strived or you've been swallowed up have you been deceived away have you been strangled out have you forgot to put down the roots that come with the doing and we have fruit trees out here several when we put a fruit tree and we have a thing called hard pan down the ground a little ways and when you go to plant in a fruit tree you have to dig down to the hard pan which could be two three feet down and then you have to break through the hard pan you have to bust up the ground well we dig six foot holes by hand we used to do this when I was younger I need a backhoe to do it for the future <laughs> we dig these huge holes and we put in you know fish guts and uh uh whole sheep sometimes if they died you know bones and all and uh, uh, humus and straw and everything down there rotting masses and we plant this little tree on top somebody else they planted trees near here and they just dug down in the sandy soil put a little peat moss in and planted a tree the roots you know where the roots are going by the way the branches are their trees are all just like little balls they they don't spread out and they never produce much good fruit because they're they just grew down to that hard pan and stop they, they can't go through that they, they their roots can't go anywhere and so you have to be rooted in Christ in the ways of Christ you have to come to serve others and care about others not just sit there and say oh we'll say a prayer for you actually do something for you went up and put up handy bars for a neighbor they you know they wanted me to uh, pray for them because uh, they were in the hospital and I went and put up the handicap bars and uh, so yeah I'll pray for them that's an important thing I I do it because I care but I went down there and did that because I knew they needed it and uh, they'll need it for uh, their husband when he gets home your prayer has to become a matter of action and that's what the network is for is a way in which to efficiently 
provide that action. And that's what the early church was doing. They were taking care of all the social welfare during some of the most horrendous economic collapses. And that's what we need to be doing. We don't need the email groups. We, that those are only implemented so that you have a way to create the living network. Picking contact points, making sure those contact points are working and effective. And we do that. There's hope for salvation in this life and the next. Till we meet again, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.